Joe Meets the Beatles. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners. We're so happy to have you here with us again. And uh, welcome to all of our new listeners who may be listening for the first time. Uh, I have to say that we were um, very excited last time we looked to see how many people were listening. And uh, we noticed that we have people uh, in Europe and across the sea who are listening to us now as well. So welcome to all of our uh, foreign listeners. This evening we have a uh, very incredible story, which is going to take us uh, back down the road to the days, uh, Dad, when you were working as a disc jockey and uh, a group of gentlemen that you got to meet that happened to alter the landscape of music for forever. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. And, of course, they were called the Fab Four, uh, none other than the one and only the, the Beatles. Now, for those of our listeners who have uh, been with us um, since the beginning, they might recall that um, we talked earlier about the uh, birds and burgers. You remember that one? Uh, Absolutely. Where, How could I forget? Where uh, I opened up the uh, a burger joint for the uh, birds after one of their concerts. <clears throat> and um, I learned one of those uh, valuable lessons in life at the time, Gary, uh, lessons that uh, present themselves occasionally. I knew that I could think outside the box and apply a creative solution and remove an obstacle in the path uh, leading to a successful conclusion. And I think this is an important lesson that all of us can apply to our lives. Think outside the box, apply a creative solution, and remove obstacles. So needless to say, um, it worked for me that time with the birds, and it wasn't long before my wild and wacky side kicked back in, and the target in my sights was none other than that mop-haired musical group from England, the Beatles. Now, when I first learned that uh, they were coming to the United States, I was earning, Gary, I was, I was only earning about $100 a week. <laughs> That's not very much in today's dollars, is it? No, and I, I, we, we, we've had many discussions, not only uh, in this uh, episode, but in past episodes about how little money a teacher makes. Yes, uh, and I was, uh, of course, working part-time on weekends as a, a newscaster, but um, it was um, it was at a 5,000-watt radio station in the area, so it was a, a, a pretty nice-sized radio station. So when I heard that the Beatles were coming to New York City, that wild and wacky side of the brain started kicking up again. So I uh, grabbed a hold of a... a piece of stationery, radio station uh, letterhead um, stationery, and I, I wrote a letter to Tony Barrow in England. Uh, he was handling all the press relations for the group. And all I said was uh, that I was planning on being in New York the same time, quote, the boys were, as if I had some kind of connection with them, and uh, that I'd need clearance to drop in on them, and uh, that I was uh, working at this powerhouse radio station. Well, Incredibly, he fired back an immediate letter to me saying that the group was presently on tour in the Far East, but he would have Bernice Young in New York City arrange for passes and credentials that I'd need, 
And so it looked like uh, this part-time radio newscaster was soon going to be visiting with the world's most famous performing group. Now, sure enough, I heard from uh, Bernice Young in no time at all. I had the credentials I needed in order to go right into the Beatles' private rooms. And this was at the uh, Hotel Warwick in New York City. That, that hotel is still there today. Again, that it still, is. Still operating. I'd uh, originally intended to share my second set of credentials with a good friend of mine who was the afternoon DJ at that radio station, WGH. His name was Gene Loving. And uh, I uh, spent many an hour uh, reading the news while he was uh, uh, working as a disc jockey. He spun the platters, and together we ripped the wraps off the stacks of wax and created the number one sound in town. <laughs> However, Gene was unable to take time off from work, so I boarded my flight to New York with two sets of credentials. Ah, and nobody to go with you. Nobody to go with me. Now, as luck would have it, I ran into a friend from town, from Williamsburg. Uh, we're going to call him Joe. Uh, Joe, if you're uh, listening to this podcast, you already know that this next wacky adventure is one in, you, in which you became the main star. Uh, Joe was a family man with a wife, a couple of kids, and a steady job. In fact, he um, was the colonial clockmaker there in Williamsburg, Virginia. Now, I forget exactly how we met, but we sure came from opposite ends of the spectrum. I was single, adventurous, and did whatever seemed like fun at the time. Joe was quiet, steady going, a real rock of security for his family. Didn't you guys meet on the airplane? I thought you had mentioned at one point that you two were sitting next to each other and yeah, kind of struck up a conversation, and mm -hmm. it was coincidence that you were from the same area. That that could very well be, uh, cause, because frankly, Gary, um, after uh, 50, 60 years, um, let's see, it has to be 50 years or so, uh, 120 those, years ago, right? some of those details get a little foggy in your brain, and and so um, I was trying to rack my brain before the podcast to figure out how we had met. And that could very well have been uh, the way it happened. We started, um, we must have been seated together on the plane. We struck up a conversation and uh, everything went from there. So I found out that um, at this particular time, life had dealt Joe one of those little complicated wrinkles that all of us face at one time or another. Um, he had had a, a series of uh, disagreements with his wife, and so he decided to take a, a brief time, uh, time out. He hopped the plane, and he was planning on visiting his mother up north for a few days. And like I say, as luck would have it, Joe ended up on the same flight as mine, and as luck would further have it, we sat together on the plane. Well, there you go. Started talking, and the rest became history. Now, I asked Joe uh, what his plans were after arriving in New York, and he told me his story, and I said, Joe, I have just the thing to take your mind off of things. <laughs> As I explained the significance behind my second set of credentials, Joe's eyes widened, and I believe he made his first ever decision to do something wild. He agreed to accompany me into the Beatles hotel room. And there goes your wacky adventure right there. Woo! What an experience in the same hotel room with the Beatles. I couldn't imagine being on an airplane. I think I'd be a little bit more skeptical, uh, skeptical than Joe uh, if some stranger said, hey, listen, I have passes, and you could 
spend the afternoon with me and the Beatles at the hotel. What hotel? Uh, what Warwick? Yeah, the hotel Warwick. Well, guess what, Gary? I also had the passes as proof. I uh, uh, I had the passes right there in my hand. So. How could he doubt what I was saying? Sure, why not? And, and like I say, what an experience in the same hotel room as the Beatles. So um, up we went, and sure enough, we spent the better part of a day with the Beatles in their hotel room. Ringo Starr um, blew smoke rings. He, uh, his favorite smoke was a cigarillo, a combination cigarette-cigar, I guess. And so... Um, he smoked a cigarillo, and he had learned how to blow smoke rings. And so this is one of those trips where instead of my uh, reel-to-reel tape recorder, I had taken a camera. Why didn't you take the reel-to-reel? Oh, I wish I had, but uh, I didn't. Uh, so I took my camera instead, and he uh, obligingly blew smoke rings for me. And I remember taking some great pictures of Ringo Starr um, pretty close up blowing smoke rings on his cigarillo. Then I was able to <coughs> visit for a while with uh, George Harrison, uh, and he was a very, very personable, friendly type. Um, and, uh, in fact, he ended up, um, by the time we had finished chit-chatting and getting to know each other, he had actually invited me to visit him at his home in England uh, later on, you know, when they got back to England. So I left that room with an invite from George Harrison to visit him at his home, which I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, after a few hours, though, most of us uh, moved into an adjoining larger room where the uh, group was going to hold a press conference, and there were chairs set up for the press, and there was a, um, you know, a stand uh, uh, on a raised platform for the, the Beatles to uh, sit there and meet the press. And Joe and I took our seats. Uh, we got front row seats there in the uh, press conference. Now, since this was a hotel room and not a, a conference room, the seats were limited. There was room for the network cameras, but not all of the reporters that usually went with them. So the big networks um, took, uh, you know, cameramen and got them in, uh, but uh, they would, you know, do the reporting later on. Right. Um, so uh, the TV news organizations, they had to rely on others to ask the questions. And at one point, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, Gary. The press uh, conference was going along, and Joe raised his hand. Now, this is Joe, Steady Eddie Joe, who never did anything wild in his life. Sure. Uh, wild and wacky like me, uh, raised his hand, and he asked a bombshell of a question. I don't recall what it was he asked, but I do know that all three networks had their cameras rolling at the time that Joe stood up to ask his question. And so once the conference was over, we bid goodbye to the world's most famous entertainers. And we, uh, well, I, I want to say we exited the hotel walk, but as I recall, we went down to the hotel a bar and had a, a drink or two before we left. Um, Joe uh, had an epiphany at that point. He realized that his uh, disagreement with his wife wasn't worth the time away from his family. So he decided he'd uh, return home shortly after a very short uh, visit with his mother. And he'd call his kids and tell them about his marvelous adventure. I could imagine uh, him wanting to call them immediately after mm -hmm. having such an experience. Mm -hmm. And it was um, pretty close to immediately <clears throat> when he uh, got on the phone. Now, when he got his son on the line, Joe told him, 
I've just been with the Beatles. And his son uh, responded, I know, Daddy. We just saw you on Walter Cronkite. Can you imagine that? I mean, uh, his surprise at being on national news, but then also his uh, family's surprise seeing him talking to the Beatles on national news. Oh, that spoke to my heart. I've remembered that uh, for half a century. That really spoke to my heart, Gary. Uh, The the kids were so proud of their daddy, and they had seen him on network news with Walter Cronkite. So, as I say, I do believe Joe visited his, his mother briefly, and then he returned home to an anxiously awaiting family, and his personal story had a happy ending, and all was forgiven by the time Joe arrived back home. A newly minted celebrity from the CBS Evening News with Walter Gronkite. And let me tell you something. Sometimes it is things like this, unexpected, out of the blue, that change a person's life. Oh, that's for sure. Yes, I did visit with the Beatles. I spent most of the time with Ringo and George Harrison, and those two were definitely the most down-to-earth of the foursome. Um, But, uh, you know, I I couldn't follow up on George's invitation. I mean, I was a guy making $100 a week. How could I hop a jet to London? (laughs) Well, I mean, you did pay to go to Germany Mm -hmm. to spend Christmas uh, there. Well, that's true. I mean, that to me seems like that would be just as expensive. It's... Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, Gary, I, you know, I was able to uh, put some funds together and do some incredibly wacky things. Now, here's something that will absolutely um, hurt your feelings no end, because I know how much you like collectibles. I sold my camera to 16 Magazine before I left the press conference. Yes, and if I remember correctly, that was because... They didn't have a camera or didn't have film. They had a camera, but it broke down. Something happened. It broke Uh down. The the film was ruined, whatever. And so uh, they offered me enough money to pay for my entire trip for my camera and the film that was in it. It was an offer I could not refuse. Oh, I think I would have refused it. Well, uh, there again, I'm a $100 a week person. And so have this whole trip paid for? Absolutely, because I also had a roll of film in my pocket that I'd already taken. So I knew I wasn't going to come back empty-handed. And you've seen some of the pictures that I took that were on that roll. Right. But as far as Ringo's smoke rings, they were on 16 Magazine's roll. Yeah. And so anyhow, that's how I ended up paying for my trip, which is kind of uh, unusual in the first place. And uh, I, I did come home with some of my photos, lots of memories, and probably the thing that made me feel best was how it impacted Joe and his family and their ability to get right back together again. I loved it. I loved the ending to this story. Oh, no, I think it's a fantastic story. Um, I One of the things, though, I'm curious as to how they felt when you showed up at their room because you kind of went from uh, meeting Joe to uh, things that were happening in the room. but. Who answered the door? Who did you talk to first? What happened? Did they uh, think they were going to uh, know some famous disc jockey, or uh, was it just, uh, come on in? Well, it's hard to say, because uh, I don't know uh, the makeup of the other folks that were there also. And I do know that uh, they were pretty good about honoring requests from, from the media. Uh, they wanted as much media as possible, and so... 
Uh, I know that uh, Gene Loving, my friend who couldn't go because of work commitments, he got a separate meeting with the Beatles. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, he ended up with a major meeting with them at a different time. So I, I do know that they recognized uh, this was a 5,000-watt uh, radio station, and when mm. they broadcast that signal south that night, it went all the way down into Central America. So, uh, you know, it was a powerhouse radio station. Now, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a 500-watt or somewhere that goes off at uh, 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so to get a request from anybody connected with that radio station, uh, you know, I'm sure that attracted attention. And uh, it's hard to say who, who else was there, um, and I don't recall who answered. I think it was Bernice Young. I think Bernice Young was the one that greeted everybody as we went in, and we just showed our credentials, and that was it. Nobody really asked who you were, where you were from, or whatever. Uh, you had the credentials, and you went, and that was the end of it. Mm. Now, here's the second question I have to this. Um, what was the point of going and, and having the request if you didn't record or anything or do any kind of interview that you could have used uh, as a promo for the radio station? Well, I, uh, I don't know why it was that I made the decision to go with camera rather than reel to reel or why not take both. Um, but, uh, I, knowing that how famous and popular the Beatles were worldwide, just the fact that I could be in the same room with them, just the fact that I could talk to them one-on-one in a friendly manner, two of them, um, and I, I hope I'm not bad-mouthing the other two, but I, I have to tell you they were not nearly as friendly or open to the, anybody else. Uh, but George Harrison and Ringo Starr were. Um, just to do that, just to do that for me was an incredible inve- adventure, and so <clears throat> to this day I don't need any audio tapes. I'm happy with the few photos I ended up with. And the memories. And the way it worked out for a newly minted friend of mine and his family. That's that's the takeaway from this story, Gary, is how powerful it was in bringing two people back together again and bringing a family back together again. Mm-hmm. Now, it's too bad that uh, there wasn't uh, a way to record that program because I'm sure that Joe and his family would have love to have held on to that moment in time to keep as a memento yeah but they did get to see something they that's watched true. the that's uh, true. cbs evening news with walter cronkite and their dad right there and in dad. front of the camera standing asking the up, question standing up asking the question with the cameras on him and then the beatles <laughs> that's something that you could never take away from them that's for sure well i tell you what that was definitely an incredible story and And one that I'm so happy turned out the way it did for someone else. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And uh, that was your incredible story. Thank you for sharing it.